RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and we are coming off the heels of the first ever Valor Underground show went down in Nashville, Tennessee this past Saturday night, July the 10th, from the underground itself. And uh, we're here for recap show, guys, as uh, we're coming up on uh, August 6th will be the next VFC show. And we'll begin uh, previewing those uh, fights starting next week. But today we're going to take a look back at that underground card. I'm joined by Justin Watson, Jeff Hobbs, Torres Finney, Greg Hopkins. And uh, we're going to uh, to, to jump into it uh, and go back through uh, our picks, find out how everyone did here. Uh, if you would uh, set the table for us, Justin, and uh, and give us oh no 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 we were we were we were brand new here so it's zero zero going in essentially so these will all be nice and fresh uh picks and uh with that let's get into it justin so uh get us kicked off with this uh first match of the night uh on the amateur portion to get us started we had a catchweight about 140 pound mma eric lewis out of huntsville alabama takes a decision over zach lozano in nashville tennessee this one was a close fight, man. Both these guys fought above uh, above their records, if you will. Uh, it was a well uh, well paced, measured fight for all three rounds. Uh, and Eric Lewis just kind of got the better of those strikes. It was pretty much a striking uh, battle the entire time. I expected Lozano to try to grapple because I thought that's where he had an advantage. So props to him for kind of showing the different facets of his game here. Uh, but Lewis just a little more active, uh, lands a few more punches, gets a unanimous decision. It wasn't super wide, I didn't think, but uh, but good showing for both uh, gentlemen and uh, a much-needed win for for Eric Lewis, uh, who uh, uh, gets uh, up to two and four now and, uh, you know, uh, got, got some momentum. Jeff? Yeah, it was a, like you said, man, you – we started the show with two one and four guys um, because that's really probably where you should put you know two one and four guys. Um, but man, they did not fight like their records. Uh, they felt it. They felt the energy of the crowd. They felt the the moment uh, in the venue, and they came out. And it was a very well put together uh, match. Very evenly matched, uh, you know, uh, fight put together by Tim. Um, really gave both of those guys, you know a fair good opportunity um you know to uh to have a fair fight you know and an equal skill level um but you know i watched a video uh rocket city mma of, of one of their training nights at the gym and and coach jason sanderson screaming out the best one in four guy you know uh you know in our in in the region or in our area and i have to agree you know um that he's probably at that time was the best one in four guy. He's a guy that's so close um, and, you know, he got the opportunity to show it. And, um, you know, hats off to him. I know Lozano uh, has already booked another fight I saw today. So he, uh, he felt good enough about his performance and healthy enough afterwards that he is headed up to Kentucky and going to jump right back in there. And, and he, that kid's got no quit in him. You know, one in five doesn't phase him. He's, he's going back uh, for more. Hey, and Sanderson also had to remind him his mom was there once. Uh, yeah, a few times. Mom, <laughs> is, 
my here. I didn't know if that was true or a code for uh, a two three or something. I don't right. Torres is the only person taking Lewis. He gets the extra point with the decision. Next up, we had featherweights, 145 pounds, as Jamie Peterson gets a TKO in the second round over Devin Henderson. Well, we knew Peterson coming out of DJ Miller's camp, Fight Force uh, Fitness was going to be, uh, you know, well prepared. He doesn't run anybody out there that's not ready to fight, and uh, he looks sharp. You know, a little longer in the tooth than your typical debut, if I can recall. He was 38, 39, uh, but he looked good, man, and uh, very technical, very crisp, and uh, some deceptive power there uh, shown as he got a late stoppage there over 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 Devin Henderson, who showed a lot of heart himself. Uh, he took some shots that what a lot of guys would have stayed down from, and he kept getting up. So. Uh, props to Devin Henderson as well for, for getting out there with uh, with a tough guy and, and showing a lot of grit. What do you think there, Jeff? Um, you know, like you said, I mean, uh, being a little older, he's got that man strength, uh, you know, probably uh, hit Henderson with some shots that would have put any other guy out. Um, but kind of like I suspected, uh, you know, on the picks, on the picks panel for this show, I just felt that, you know, no disrespect to UFC Jim Murfreesboro, but I just think when it comes to a stand-up fight, uh, a Muay Thai fight, um, anything that DJ Miller is going to put out there is going to be solid, and they're going to be good and crisp and, and technical and ready for the moment. And, you know, uh, Jamie uh, Jamie looked uh, like how I thought, you know, a, a DJ Miller fighter would look coming out, so... Um, he had a lot of guys. He had a lot of fans there for somebody that really didn't get to get on the ticket train until late in the uh, late in the show, late in the action. Uh, he was able to pull off a really nice crowd there as well. So, uh, hats off to him. All right, everybody takes Pedersen on that one by TKO. Next up, uh, catch weight 160 pounds. J- Justin Jamar gets a TKO in the first round over Cody Stewart. So as I mentioned, uh, I'm a I, I'm I'm a fan of both these guys. I, I like them both. They're both good dudes. Uh, very personable. Very fun fighters. And this one was just one of those uh, fights that was it was just a, a whirlwind from the beginning. Uh, even going back to the weigh-ins, uh, you know, um, Justin Jamar had a weight cut issue, uh, severely dehydrated, had to be uh, had to be uh, taken IV, uh, and and eventually uh, was still able to feel be- good enough the next day. Uh, uh, you know, to come in there and fight. Uh, that said, uh, a little bit of, of a weight advantage he had uh, carrying into that fight uh, with uh, with Cody Stewart. Um, uh, but he came out like there was no ill effects at all. Uh, guns blazing, uh, you know, firing out of the corner with a big jumping knee, uh, which was, um, I guess, the source of some debate. There's a couple uh, times in this fight where um, there were some uh, very, very close knees that would have been like either to the head or to the shoulder um uh, to uh Stewart's credit the initial one didn't drop him it certainly staggered him it was punches after that that dropped him and then there was another knee uh that came crashing down that one I'm pretty sure was like to the sternum uh shoulder area but uh really just uh never really gave uh, Stewart a chance to get going uh Jamar just just turned it on right out of the gates be curious to know given the weight cut uh factor uh, like had he not been able to get him out of there early like that 
uh, if he would have faded badly, um, uh, which would certainly uh, potentially could have happened. But overall, uh, just an explosive uh, fight from Jamar, who is quickly uh, getting a reputation for being one of the heaviest hitters uh, on the scene out there right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, with uh, Alex Pergande, who we'll talk about here shortly, uh, getting ready to, to make a leap, uh, I think that Jamar will immediately enter into, uh, you know, that top of the division conversation at this point, uh, just because he's looked so good here in these last few fights and uh, it really kind of looks to be turning a corner i agree this kid is super impressive jeff hobbs yeah what a super athlete man uh you know we uh, uh by default with his with his guests there from uh, the tennessee titans and finding out that they played high school football together it's yeah. no yeah. wonder that that he is the athlete that he shows uh in the cage uh, with that kind of, uh, you know, athletic background. But, uh, you know, it was one of those that was kind of, you know, uh, a little tough to watch just because, I'm, you know, you're trying not to cheer one way or the other. I, you know, I hate it when a guy has, you know, some weight issues, doesn't make weight. We have to change the weight class to a catch weight, um, you know, because of, you know, a, a miscalculated weight cut. And then you're thinking, man, I just really hate seeing that guy rewarded. Um, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. The opponent still accepted it uh, and wanted to fight uh, at, you know, a little heavier uh, catch weight. And, you know, once he agrees to it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you asked for it. And, you know, this is just the, the way the chips fell. Um, but, man, he Jamar, I don't know, like you said, if it may have been, the fear of if this thing goes too long, my weight cut, my bad weight cut may come back to haunt me, so I got to get this thing over with quick. But he came out like, you know, like a uh, like an old PlayStation game, man, when you just keep hitting the button and, and the little guy just keeps jumping, 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 you know. Um, it The first knee... I wasn't so worried about it. I didn't, I didn't feel like it had hit the head. Uh, the second one, just because of the angle we were sitting at and how quick it happened, um, I felt it could have been iffy. I mean, uh, Cody's eye lumped up really quick. Uh, yeah. It, it, it swelled very quickly and got blue really quick, which, you know, usually doesn't happen from just a single punch so you know i don't know who knows but all in all here's the thing our referees uh last saturday night did a really really good job i felt uh and we're all three were really on their game um so if, if something was missed it was because you know it was so fast it, it truly yeah it truly snuck through or it was so fast that there was no way to really get a good view of it and and you know respond to it but you know, uh, Justin Jamar cracks me up. That dude is funny as hell. Um, you know, he, he's sitting there watching that amateur main event title fight, and he's asking Tim for a title shot. Man, I'm, I'm there. Give me one. And then he saw Bazorgi and Pergande going at it, and he looks and he goes, you know, maybe maybe one more. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Maybe I'll get a little more practice. So, dude's funny, man. Humble as, as I'll get out. Uh, enjoy the hair. Enjoy the look. Um, and I can't wait to see him again because there are some hell of matchups uh, in the Valor cage for that kid. Everybody takes Justin Jamar, uh, Torres, and Greg get the extra points going TKO. Next up, we had a rematch from the Tennessee State High School Wrestling Tournament as Dylan Davenport gets the pin over Michael Sisko. 
yeah, man, these uh, this was something different. The crowd went wild for it, man. They loved it. Hopefully it's something that we can start seeing more of. Um, and, uh, you know, it was um, – uh, it was interesting to see them reset, uh, you know, when they got they got close to the cage. It'd be interesting to see if that's something we continue with or we alter that rule. But uh, I think just having the cage wall there, the, that dimension just gives it a different feel that, in my opinion, uh, we should we should roll with. But, uh, hey, man, I'm not in there wrestling. So if the kids don't want to do that. The kids don't want to do that. Um, that said, uh, it was uh, it seemed like there was like. There was like disappointment after this when maybe on both sides. It was really weird. I couldn't really tell what was going on, but it was like both kids wanted to leave the cage. And we're like, man, what's yeah, what's going on? Why are they so upset? And uh, apparently, uh, you know, I'd have to you know, I couldn't really tell because it was all so quickly. But uh, according to Greg, he, he, you know, he didn't think that the kid's shoulder was all the way down. And neither neither did uh, neither did he. And maybe even the guy that won might have not quite felt that <laughs> like it was like he didn't feel like. It was quite, uh, you know, done, if you will. But uh, that said, they still put on a great performance. I, I, I love seeing how much uh, support that these kids had, uh, you know, doing this, which is, you know, they got to have the walkout music and, and feel like superstars. So uh, hopefully they enjoyed it. Jeff, you you had a big, big role in this. And how did you think it went? Um, I mean, it was it was it was great fun. Like I said, I mean, to watch their crowds there, they both sold tables. Um, I will go ahead and, and vouch for Dylan Davenport because uh, I've been around him because he does wrestle in my county. Uh, there was nothing wrong with Dylan Davenport. He just absolutely has no emotion whatsoever. Uh, you just don't know whether or not he's excited, uh, <laughs> you know, happy, sad. He's got the same demeanor no matter what. And I, and I did bust his balls about leaving the cage it was like he said i didn't know what to do i didn't know what i was supposed to do he's like when you after your wrestling match you just shake hands and you get off the mat get off the mat uh, right yeah so he's like i didn't know i was supposed to stay uh and and some of that had to do with the referee too not knowing what he was supposed to do either because before i could get in there he had already raised his hand and he just thought okay that's it we shook hands i got my hand raised uh now i leave um so uh you know, it was a great time. I really think this is – I got approached by so many people that they want us to do this again. They want us to do a whole show of this. I think the support's there to do something uh, like that, but, you know, not to veer away from the, the match itself. Dylan Davenport, I, I listened – I watched the fight, uh, the, the match a, a few times and listening to Ronnie and, and Torres comment on it. Um, you know, I think they feel the same way I do, that, that Dylan had something just a little – uh, a little special, you know, in them, um, a little more aggressive, a little more technical. But all in all, this was a great showing. Uh, I'm glad both these kids got to experience it. And uh, I think their parents probably enjoyed it way more than they did. <laughs> all right. Greg takes Davenport, only one getting any points there. Next up, we had the uh, quartet BJJ four on four. Uh, 10th Planet gets the win over Team Zenith. Man, this one was uh, this one was crazy. Both these teams are loaded up, man, and uh, had some late changes, uh, but nothing late later than what we discussed. Um, I don't think uh, on on the podcast. Uh, no, 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 no. It was later. So yeah, yeah, okay. So so we had two two changes on Team Zenith instead of uh, Langford and Robinson, it ended up being Jerry Baker and. Uh, Oh man! Uh, I, right off, the, the other guy's name escapes me. Uh, you, you uh, have that? Joel. Joel, Joel Blanton. Yeah. 
But yeah, Joel Blanton. So props to them for stepping up. And Jerry, we'd seen do a Hyder Cup before, so he, he'd been a part of, of this before. And man, it came down to the last two guys as everybody kind of kind of thought it would. And uh, Matt Elkins out of nowhere uh, turned some heads, getting uh, eliminating both the last two members. Uh, he was the only guy left for uh, for for Tenth Planet, and he ended up eliminating both the last two members of. Um, of the zenith but it was a lot of fun it was very exciting and uh, a lot of a lot of high level talent on display just yeah i mean i i guess i could call shenanigans i picked the zenith i believe and it was based on the original zenith uh lineup uh, uh if i would have seen the chef i would have known the changes no uh, i wouldn't have gone that way um but uh that's me just being petty but i mean it was a great show like i said uh uh Elkins being the last one in, you think, okay, no one's going to come back from this advantage because all somebody on Zenith has got to do is, you know, well, the first guy was stall, stall him out. out, stall him out. By default, Zenith has a guy left, and we're good to go. But uh, Elkins not only uh, got the submission on the third guy, um, you know, I was all, we were already sitting there stressing, uh, oh, man, what do we do if this last one goes, you know, how do we handle overtime? We can't have a, a limitless time, uh, you know, uh, overtime and stress. Because we've seen that can get carried away. <laughs> yeah, so stressing what we were going to do. And then next thing you know, I just hear ding, ding, ding. And it's like, whoa, what what happened? Uh, Elkins uh, took care of that for us and uh, got us out of a bind on that one. Uh, so, I mean, I just think uh, more than anything, this wrestling match, the jiu-jitsu match, um, it just it just led to the uh, uniqueness of the show, and you know it just continues to show everybody out there that you know we're going to showcase all disciplines of combat sports, and we're going to give everybody their their spotlight. And this was high level. You know, the, either one of these teams would, could probably could have walked into a Hydra Cup and, uh, and and taken that money. So. I'm excited that we keep doing this. We haven't, you know, we, we stay true to it. We haven't bailed on the idea. And it, in fact, much the opposite, it just keeps growing and getting more and more popular. Everybody takes Team Zenith, so no points awarded there. Next up, we had uh, back to MMA, Bantamweight 135. As we see, Nick King from Nashville MMA get a second round rear naked choke over Quentin Sims. This is another really fun one, man. A lot of energy in the room. Uh, Nick King had a gang of people there, fire uh, fighters and the like. And uh, so a lot of pressure on him in his debut against a guy with two fights already in Quentin Sims. And uh, King able to uh, to get the uh, the takedowns uh, and really had Sims in some rough spots. I mean, deeper naked choke, deep, uh, deep Kimura, you know, uh, the that I was just like, man, I, I hope he taps soon because it, that looks like it could get ugly real quick but to sims uh, credit man he fought out uh of many many bad spots uh was able to get up off his back several times uh eventually though in the second round i guess it was uh he uh he kind of ran out of luck there and uh finally got uh finally got caught and submitted but uh nice showing from both guys honestly i thought that was in my opinion probably the best amateur fight of the night jeff it was definitely the most uh, exciting. I mean, not to not to put any shade on the the Picande Bazorgi fight because it was you know just as loud in there and just as good. But man, that crowd that um, that Nick King brought for his debut was unbelievable. 
and you know listening back to the broadcast and listening to Torres's reaction uh, to the crowd we we've got we've already discussed it this week guys at home if you're watching the pay-per-view we have already discussed it we've got to do something about our audio and catching that crowd reaction so you guys at home can hear and feel what we do in the in the arena but uh holy smokes it was live every offensive move that Nick King made it, there was an eruption, and like you said, Tim, I mean, there were some spots in that first round where we thought, this is it, it's done. You know, it, like, Quentin, please tap out because you're about to pass out. Uh, and that dude is just tough, man. Not just tough, but, you know, he's so calm in there. Like, the positions that, he, that he's in don't stress him. He doesn't freak out. Um, he doesn't panic. He just kind of stays the course and, and, and waits it out. But uh, for a kid, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all too. Nick King was not as uh, I don't think as confident in himself as he should have been. Um, you know, he really was uh, nervous about the opponent change that happened. He was nervous about going in there against a guy with you know two wins. I've already been in there twice. Um, I don't want to necessarily say self doubt, but just really nervous about the whole situation and then you watch him perform and you're thinking what the hell were you worried about what was what was wrong with you like i I had to tell him once on the phone dude you're better than what you're giving yourself credit for you know and i think a lot of that has to do with the big brother mentality that he's in the gym with charlie and alex and and they they ride him and they pick on him and they bust his balls like big brothers do and uh you know i think he earned his spot at the table you know, as far as national MMA is concerned, and the and the fight team, uh, with that performance uh, last Saturday night, I I hope the kid sticks around. I talked to him after the fight again on Sunday, like I did most of the fighters, and you know, I asked him, hey, not to put the cart before the horse, but you know, is this something now? Have you got that bug? Have you got that feel? And not necessarily the answer I was looking for, but a smart answer. He's like, I got so much I have to learn. I don't want to jump right back in there, and and. Trick, trick myself that wind tricking me into thinking I'm better than what I am or further along than what I am. He goes, I need a lot more training. Uh, he said, so maybe towards the end of the year. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that jumps back in in a month or two. He's going to get in the back in the gym and and keep learning as much as he can. Hobbs and Greg both take King. Greg gets the extra point going with submission on that one. Next up, catch weight 138 pounds as Josh Delgadilla gets a first round triangle choke over Ku Tu. Uh, one of our one of our uh, late replacements here uh, with uh, comes in and, and pulls off, I guess maybe a bit of an upset. Um, Josh Delgadillo out of Team Chaos took this fight um, this week, the week of the fight after Q 2s opponent Margot Kirby fell out and. Um, really came in and put on a nice show um you know props to both guys because you know it was an opponent change for q2 as well uh he was preparing for another tough guy uh you know marjo kirby is i've I've spoken very highly of he he would be no easy out either so uh preparing for for a tough fight all the same but a different fighter uh with the with the same amount of fights as he does so doug adio comes in with 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 five fights more experience but uh to his credit also took the fight on three four days notice so he wasn't really in camp at all to take 
take a fight. So uh, props to both guys for rolling with the punches that come with this shit show that we call amateur MMA. Uh, and it was uh, uh, Doug Dio. He, he latched onto a triangle and, and Q like, you know, he was trying to slam him out of it. He slammed him, man, like two or three hard times. But but every time he did, as uh, as the as the cliche goes, uh, we've seen it on UFC over and over. It just kind of every time he slammed him, he just got a little tighter and a little tighter to eventually had to tap out. And uh, nice win for Josh Delgadillo, who uh, will make a quick turnaround. He'll be coming back August 6th to fight Cody Noel in what will be a badass fight. Cody Noel coming in from that Hobbs Jackson Wink team. And he is uh, not an easy guy to match. Not a lot of guys lining up for that one. So uh, I'm excited for that fight. And Q2, I know, will bounce back. Uh, yeah, so so much athleticism from that guy. A lot of charisma and uh, just a, a learning experience for him against a more experienced guy. Uh, everybody takes Q2 on that, so no points awarded. <clears throat> uh, Jeff Hobbs? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it was – I don't know if I consider it an upset. I mean, yeah, if you look at Delgadillo's record, you would think one thing. But, you know, he may not have been in the camp, but the guy stays ready and stays in shape. Oh, you can he tell had, he's in shape, yeah. Yeah, and he had quite a few, you know – uh, fights under his belt and you know just some didn't go his way against some you know some decent comp- competition um, you know you're right Q2 was uh, uh, originally supposed to go against Mardo Kirby which you know is a tough fight all in its own so it wasn't like he was you know training for a bum um, I think more than anything you know speaking to his coaches uh, the only thing that kind of got into uh, Ku's head was just uh, that this guy had way more experience than than him, uh, and and maybe in in normal circumstances, in, in past opponents that that Q2 has uh, gone up against, you know maybe that comfortableness in that in that triangle position and being able to slam would have worked, but with a guy with the experience that Delgadillo had and the ring time that he had. Like you said, all it does is just kind of settle you in and nestles you in uh, tighter and cinches it, cinches it tighter. And, um, you know, all it all, though, you know, Kutu and his coaches uh, afterwards said learning experience. That's all it is, man. This is an amateur fight. It's a learning experience. You got you just got to know not to get too damn comfortable in there. You know, you can't you can't assume that your opponent doesn't know how to do one of those moves or do this or do that. Or, or be able to take advantage of things. You know, you can't just uh, you can't just sit there. So, um, great attitude by by Q2, but uh, just awesome performance to come in on three days notice by uh, Delgadillo. Uh, his his camp was excited. His coach was super excited about the win, uh, and and you can't blame him. You come into en- enemy territory on late notice. Uh, in most cases, uh, promoters kind of not set you up but bring you in for a reason uh, because someone really needs a fight and you're willing to take anybody but that was not the case Tim knew when he when he got Delgadillo as a replacement like this could still end up being fight of the night like we thought you know Mardrell Kirby could be um, but at the end of the day you know you know Delgadillo thought I'm supposed to lose this fight according to my opponent and the crowd and he wasn't having no part of it. So it's really cool, though. That Noel fight, really, that's a good match, Tim. Um, that that excites me. Uh, that, that moves with the needle right there. 
Next up, we had uh, catch weights 148 pounds as Javi Vasquez gets a rear naked choke in the second round over Sam Gertz. Yeah, another one where it's like, was this an upset or was it not an upset? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, we talked about it uh, last week. It was really tough to match Sam Gertz being a black belt amateur debut. Guys just don't. You know, is the juice worth the squeeze there for most guys? The answer is no. Um, so uh, Gertz ended up having to fight a guy with a lot more experience and Jaime Vasquez, who had had his main event canceled a couple weeks earlier. So he was already in fight shape um, and he knew he was biting off a tough, a tough one there with with Nick Gertz, his coach, Jason Matherly, very familiar with. I'm sorry, not Nick, but Sam, Sam Gertz. Um, his coach, uh, Jason Matherly, was was very aware of Sam Gertz uh, pedigree on the ground. They knew that, you know, hey, we got a lot to a lot to lose in this fight coming in with with our record and, you know, titles in various organizations, you know, uh, to fight a guy that's never fought before, but could very well beat us because he's so skilled on the ground. And, uh, you know, I thought that Gertz fought, a, you know, the game plan that he needed to fight for 90 percent of that fight until, uh, you know, Jaime showed some uh, some veteran savviness, uh, you know. He, he was able to to get Nick on the ground, work, uh, but not dive right into his guard. Make, make, I keep saying Nick. I apologize, uh, Sam. Sam, uh, he was able to, uh, you know, in those, that closing sequence, uh, the, the tide was slowly turning a little bit because he was kind of dictating where the fight would be, if that makes sense, even if it meant uh, limited engagement. And uh, when he saw his opportunity, he took it, man, and got a submission of all things over the decorated black belt and Sam Gertz. Uh, Props to both guys again. This is one of those fights where it's like, man, it's, you know, I don't even know who's the favorite because the records are so skewed. There's so much experience on one side, but then you've got like such top level grappling talent on the other side. So, um, yeah, that was a really weird fight to have to try to call, I thought. And uh, uh, props to props to Jaime Vasquez. Nice win. Um, and uh, the talk is maybe he's getting ready to make that pro leap. And sounds like uh, Sam Gertz had a good experience himself. And I, I'd be curious to see how long he'll, he'll uh, take before he jumps back in there. All right. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know, like you were saying, it's like, man, is this an upset? Is it not? I, I think what, not necessarily trying to judge upset or not an upset, it's more so just the surprise of how the finish came uh, by submission. You know, that I think that was the more thing, not that Jaime Vasquez won the fight, um, because we all knew that there were, there were ways Jaime could win this fight. I think it was just more surprising, like the end came by submission. Um, that's definitely not something I saw coming, and I don't think anybody else saw coming. Um, but, um, you know, Sam had a great, uh, you know, first round. I mean, he really did. He he found some good, uh, you know, positions on top where Jaime was on his, you know, hands and knees. He was transitioning and spinning around, getting off some good shots. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, Jaime Vasquez, that, that record that I announced, 9-3, and three, it, it's not – it's not – real you know Jaime's had more experience than that unfortunately some of the shows Jaime had uh, you know fought on just did not report you know uh, results um, but the thing was was Sam knew that too let's not the listeners get it twisted it wasn't that we were hiding experience uh, Sam and his his coaches in camp because we're such a small you know Nick group here they had seen a lot of those fights that weren't on his record um, but it was that vast experience that made the difference um, you know, Jaime's not one of those that gets, you know, swayed by a crowd or the moment because he has seen it all. He's done it all in the mid-state area. He's been on the shows 
uh, you know, on, on pay-per-view with, you know, promotions like Valor, and he's been at the VFW, you know, where your head touches the ceiling, you know. Uh, he's Nothing rattles him, nothing shakes him. Uh, and, it, and that was the difference, I think, in this fight was just the experience. Um, but hats off to, to Jaime's grappling and his, his jiu-jitsu coach, who's got him... Uh, you know, in a good position, and you know, hell, maybe maybe a, a, a win like that. We've seen it before, where you know, submission wins in MMA may be the maybe what uh, gets you that next belt promotion. Everybody takes uh, Sam on that one. No points awarded. Next up, we had the main event for the amateur lightweight title as Alexi Russian DNA Pagandi gets a second round TKO, actually straight KO over Bronson Bazorgi. Yeah, without a doubt, the most uh, the guy that stole the show uh, was Alex Pergande. That that was without a doubt the most impressive performance of anyone all night long, in my opinion. Uh, just really, uh, ooh, man, just uh, just killer out there. Uh, next level talent. Um, you know, I, I I speak of Torres Finney like that oftentimes, as far as just kind of having that next level uh, it factor, and uh, this kid's got it as well. And uh, you know, it'd been a couple years, a year and a half uh, or so since last time we'd seen him. He's he's grown. He's he's bulked up. He's matured. He's even bigger, and uh, just just a beast at 155. The striking was uh, just pinpoint accurate and so quick. Um, and to knock out a guy like Bazorgi is uh, is no it's no uh, small feat. Bazorgi's tough motherfucker. He, he he's he ain't no bitch, if, as they say. He uh, he was uh, and he was right there with him, uh, taking taking some damage, but not really um, you know not backing down. Uh, but it had a sequence there early in that second round where he kind of got stalled up there against the cage and uh and uh, pergande pounced on him man unleashed like a just a a very swift uh to put it mildly uh five-piece combo that then they all landed with you know the first one had it had knocked him out and then the other ones followed up bam 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 so uh, it was kind of a gruesome sight when he fell and a little bit of concern there and uh, thankfully bronson is okay but uh just uh, a testament to uh the the quickness and the accuracy and the striking of uh, of Russian DNA, uh, Alexei Pergande, props to him, and uh, sounds like he's making that leap to the pros, and I don't think they're going to be lining up to fight him. Um, yeah, that's going to be a, a bit of a chore, I'd say. Hobbs? Yeah, good thing for our pocketbooks that, that the amateurs weren't uh, eligible for any performance of the night bonuses because uh, <laughs> we may have had to give all of them to Alex Pergande. Well, a good thing for the pros' pocketbooks. Yeah, yeah, good thing for the pros' <laughs> pocketbooks. Uh, or they may not have walked out of there with any money. Because, um, hell, with that kind of performance, I, uh, we, we would have given them the sub of the night, too, just because, <laughs> uh, just because he went, to, you know, his opponent went to sleep. We, uh, technically, uh, we might need to give him that too, but man, every, everything this kid threw in this fight, um, you know, was on point. It didn't matter whether it was a spinning back kick, a back fist. It just everything was calculated with this kid. Nothing was thrown just recklessly with that. Oh, I hope this lands. Everything he throws is for a reason and precise with the intent that it's going to land. Uh, His combinations were good. His setups were good. I don't know if there's anybody that you can just continue to run, you know, just so many good things to say about this kid and his his skill level. Uh, We've seen, uh, you know, these type prodigy kind of guys come through before. What was, uh, 
man, what was the one kid that we had out out your way, Tim? Um, uh, years ago, uh, not Chance, maybe Chase. Uh, Batwell. Say that again. Chase Batwell, maybe. Yeah. Yes, Batwell. You yeah. Know, these type of kids that come through when you see them at such a young age, Bacante is only 20 years old, just turned 20. Uh, you know, when, when he fought with us last, he was 18. Um, just to see this much potential in these in a young guy is is scary. It, it is scary. And the speed, you know, some guys, you know, some people in the crowd were just like, oh, they thought that was a late stoppage. Well, hell yeah, it was late because the guy throws so fast you know, you, you start your movement and your intent to get in and stop the fight. Um, the guy's hand, the kid's hands are so fast, three more come off um, before you can get in there. It's uh, it's crazy what this kid did in this fight and, and took a tough, 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 tough opponent in Bronson Bazorgi. And not just tough. Tough doesn't give his skill any credit. Tough and skilled guy like Bronson Bazorgi. And and to be able to have that kind of performance against an opponent of that caliber and that level just only increases the the wow factor of what he was able to do in that cage. And like you said, I mean, the jump to pro sometimes is sometimes it's easier to match guys, you know, when they turn pro because you're thinking, well, somebody, you know, more people are going to be apt to take it because there's a paycheck involved with it. I don't know if that's going to be the case here. I don't know if he's going to get that, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, I don't want to say easy, but that new pro tune-up fight or the welcome to the pros kind of tune-up fight uh, that, that some guys get because it's going to be hard to get anybody. The fear, the fear of bodily harm is there. Yes, yes. Uh, or being a, on the other end of the highlight reel is is going to be real with a bunch of guys. Uh, so, you know, I will say, and I, I'm happy to say, you know, talking to Pergande's management and – you know, he wants his pro debut to be with, with one of the Valor shows, uh, whether that's the Underground again or, or the traditional Valor. Um, so we're happy that uh, that's the route they want to take. Oh, yes. But I'm sorry for you, Tim, for having to find that opponent. <laughs> that's not yeah, that'll be, be a tough one. <laughs> not go, you're going to earn every bit of your money on whatever card that is, keeping that main event, uh, you know, all the way up until fight night. No doubt, man. But tell you what, though, I'm I mean, definitely excited to see him progress. Uh, you know, he, like uh, I can't say it enough. It's a next level talent. It's a guy that I expect to be uh, on the big show uh, before long. Just uh, just a matter of time, really. So, uh, very very impressive performance uh, from Mr. Pergande. Uh, Justin, how did uh, how did they how they pick him? Everybody takes Pergande. No extra points. Everybody took submission on that one. This is one of those few cards where we had we did have a lot of unanimous votes, but we also had a lot of wrong unanimous votes. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know, it's like a lot of guys were in a great. But we, we prefaced that last week. He's like, you know, the, a lot of these fights are close. They could go the, the other way. We, we were all picking the same thing, but we could all be wrong uh, by the same token. And, uh, you know, before we get into the pro side, man, I, I got to give some props to, to Jeff Hobbs here, man, who really busted his ass on this one, really uh, what, crossed all the all the T's, dotted all the I's. Uh, and made sure that we were as organized as could possibly be to deliver, um, you know, a, a successful first underground show. And, uh, and props to, to, to Taylor Hood as well, uh, the promoter for this show, who, who really went above and beyond to, to show a lot of hospitality and and make sure that this was an experience that, that no one would forget. So uh, props to you guys, man. I want to make sure you guys get, get some shout outs, Jeff. I definitely appreciate that, man. Like I said, I, it's, you're right. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of stress, a lot of uh 
you know, sleepless nights. And when it's over, it, it's like a big crash. Like, well, what do I do now? Because, you know, for two straight months, you woke up thinking about the show. You went to bed thinking about the show. And everything in between was stressing about this show. So um, when it's over, it's kind of just a big uh, adrenaline dump. But, you know, first and foremost, couldn't have done any of this without you. Um, you know, I, we work well together in these instances. Um, you know, you, you finding fighters, putting these matches together, me, uh, quote unquote, babysitting them, uh, you know, from my end, but, you know, also the traditional, you know, I call it traditional because it is the traditionally, you know, our Valor crew, you know, those that made the trip and, and came along with this ride, uh, you know, whether it be Justin, you know, judging, you know, our, our gamma crew, um, Hell, we had, uh, you know, Megan and, and Lexi on, on, on ticket table. Um, those guys continue to be the reason why the promotion is successful. And for them to come down to Nashville and just pick up, you know, like nothing and, and do what they do each and every month up there for us down here was a godsend uh, because that is something we'll have to, you know, tighten up next time we do an underground show is, is our workers. Uh, and it's just because it's new for them down here. And, and, you know, we went through the same thing, you know, in, in Valor, when you get a new employee, it takes them a while to get used to the game and what we're doing and how to do it. Um, and, and they'll get it. But if it wasn't for everybody else involved, I mean, the, the praise has been, you know, phenomenal. Um, but I, I don't, I definitely do not like it for myself. Um, I just, I love the praise for the promotion for the show, um, for Eric Turner and Taylor Turner for allowing Tim, you and me to, you know, trust us, uh, you know, with this endeavor and this project and, and trust us, you know, when we brought them Taylor hood and said, you know, Taylor's the guy, if you're going to let somebody, you know, do this, it's Taylor. You know, if you're going to trust somebody to do it right and do the valor name justice, it's Taylor. And, uh, and he did. And I, I couldn't be happier. I got to echo that sentiment. And, you know, those those uh, the people that kind of made the ride out to help us, that that goes a long way in just making the the flow of the event uh, seamless like it was. Uh, there's not a whole lot of people scrambling around uh, besides Jeff, of course. But uh, for the most part, people knew, uh, you know, people knew what they were supposed to do and they did what they're supposed to do because they're used to doing it. And uh, that goes a long way in making sure that these events are uh, are organized and not a cluster. And uh, this one, man, I heard nothing but, but good things. And with that, let's uh, let's dive into this pro side of the card, guys. When, uh, we're going to bring in our buddies uh, Torres Finney and Greg Hopkins for reactions on that. Justin, uh, get us get us going here. All right. So <clears throat> the first bout of the of the pro portion, we had a uh, catchweight one seventy seven Muay Thai bout, Deshaun Middleton out of Charleston, South Carolina, taking on Ivan Irvin jo- Irvin Jones, a debut out of Nashville MMA. Irvin Jones gets the decision there, um, and believe everybody gets the points for Jones, and Torres gets a point for the decision. Yeah, so uh, we'll preface this with uh, we had a, we had a weight snafu here uh, on fight day from from Deshaun Middleton. He ended up uh, coming in at, uh, more like 182, so we had to have a, an adjustment of the weight at the last minute. Some uh, some purse some purse shifts and the like, but we still got this fight in there. Uh, 
as Justin minute, uh, mentioned, it was a, uh, a, a unanimous decision on all the cards for Irvin Johnson, but uh, fairly competitive fight. Both guys had their moments. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I thought that uh, going into this, that we would probably get a finish either way. And uh, really both guys kind of fought a measured, uh, a measured fight. And, uh, and it was Irvin Jones that, uh, that came away with the victory at home on the scorecards. What did you think about this fight, Greg? Well, this fight right here was the Ty Pro one that I uh, I look forward to a little bit because we haven't seen Middleton in a good while. But uh, I wanted to see if he's like touched up, you know, maybe maybe gotten there working. We actually, you know, to my surprise, he has. He's gotten a lot better. But um, uh, with that being said, uh, if you guys remember me at that point in time, by the time the, the main car got loaded, I was about loaded too. Uh, so <laughs> from here on out throughout the, the rest of the night, it was all kind of a blur to me because uh, – I got a little bit too excited. I wasn't working that night. I was just a, a spectator. So uh, I'm going to tell you guys what I remember. And I remember that one being a being a damn brawl down to the last minute, man. And uh, they both finished it off and went to the decision by my surprise. I thought Deshaun May got finished. And I'm sorry, man. I'm out here on the road driving. So if y'all can't hear me, I apologize. So You actually sound better than, than lots of times. Than yeah. normal. <laughs> sorry, guys. No. Torres? Yes, um, I really enjoyed this matchup uh, between Irvin Jones and Middleton. Uh, Middleton looked – I mean, he looked good coming out. I mean, those leg kicks were, you know, hey, them were some big legs swinging. And uh, there was a few moments, like, where Jones would hit him and he would shake his head. And But I was I was excited about Irvin Jones. Irvin Jones had some really uh, nice kicks, uh, a lot of really good Muay Thai, some good teeps. He, had, he landed two head kicks in that matchup. Um he started to put the pressure a little bit on Middleton. Uh, I thought when Middleton was a little bit more aggressive with his hands, uh, he had a lot of success. But, uh, but you know, Jones kept him at bay, you know, kept him thinking. He lit his leg up, man, especially that lead leg. Even caused Middleton had to switch stances, I think, in that second round, I believe, second or third round. But uh, overall, it, it was a really good fight, really good Muay Thai bout, uh, really good stuff back and forth, and um, good win by Jones. You know, like you say, had a, good op- had a great opportunity to, Show the guys that he's been training that he can go in there and do it as well. So, great win, Bob. Hobbs? Yeah, it's a, it's a real calculated fight. Um, you know, my I was more surprised that they both kind of just settled in. And, uh, you know, I, I really thought one of these guys were going to come out just guns a-blazing and, and go for that bonus. Um, but, uh, you know, it's what we've come to expect when we put these pro uh, tie fights on the main card. Um, is um, they're usually, you know, two really good practitioners and uh, showed each other a lot of respect in the cage and um, just kind of uh, chess matched uh, the event. Um, you know, like I said, it, was, uh, it wasn't like the, probably of the card, it wasn't the most fan-pleasing fight as far as, you know, giving them a lot to ooh and ah about, but it was a really nice fight that you could sit back and, uh, and give props to the actual Muay Thai skill that was going on in the cage and, and uh, you know, enjoy the competitive, uh, competitiveness of it. Um, but, you know, Irv looked good. Um, you know, like I said, I think Irv's, you know, whole uh, point for doing this fight, you know, like we spoke about in the cage, was just showing these guys that I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not willing to get in there and do either. Uh, and, and I think uh, the point was proved that, uh, you know, he can get in there with them and, and go through the same camp that they can and, and get in there and and um, and, and compete. But uh, Middleton, Middleton looked good. Middleton looked a lot better than we've seen him in the past. So uh, I know 
you know, he was disappointed in the judges' scorecards, but I, I, I got to feel that based on some of the performances in the past that he has to be somewhat pleased with, uh, you know, how the fight went. All right, next up, back to MMA, we have a catchweight female, 110 pounds, Shannon Gothrie gets a rear naked choke in the first round over Emily King. So this one was, uh, this one was, uh, I guess it ended up uh, technically being the, the fight of the night uh, when it was all said and done. I, uh, you know, between this and, and the main event, I thought those were, were certainly probably the most, uh, the most entertaining on the, on the professional side. And uh, this one was really good, man. Uh, it was uh, kind of a, a tale of every round was kind of like a, a half and half kind of segment, if you will. So, uh, you know, I felt that the, uh, the striking was, was very close uh, in, in, in all the rounds, uh, both ladies landed nice shots. Um, you know, uh, the takedowns uh, were there for, for, for Shannon um, uh, oftentimes with Emily attempting uh, submissions or vice versa. Emily gets the uh, submission and Shannon going for the, for the, uh, I'm sorry, Emily getting the takedown and Shannon going for the submission. So uh, neither lady really had a whole lot of success from the top. Uh, whoever got the takedown, they, they were battling to defend themselves against against uh, potential submissions from their opponents. So uh, nice, a nice, nice fight from both ladies. It was exciting. I, uh, it was one of those fights where um, uh, you could you knew that Emily kind of had to turn it on going into that third round, try to get a finish. Uh, where it, like the latter portions of the first two rounds, uh, Shannon had kind of had kind of stolen those rounds, and so um, you know Emily was uh, having to take some risks there in that third round, and ended up uh, ended up getting caught in the uh, in the scramble there of the third and uh it was a technical submission win for miss shannon goffrey there in what was uh i guess a trilogy of swords i guess their second mma battle but uh it looks like uh, shannon just happens to have her number in that matchup but overall i thought uh both ladies performed well i thought emily had a, a much better accounting of herself than the first time they went uh, just more confidence more skill more more technique and uh, and shannon i'd heard was uh it was a little sickly coming into this one. It wasn't something she made public, but um, I'd heard at the weigh-ins that she wasn't feeling real well. And so, uh, you know, for her to gut through with their uh, real nice performance uh, for Shannon as well. What'd you see here, Torres? Yeah, no question. This was the fight of the night. I mean, man, them, them girls going at it, boy. Uh, definitely a uh, big time um, props to uh, uh, Emily King. I mean, she fought that fight hard. I mean, you know, she came in with the intentions of some, you know, somebody that don't beat her twice, you know, in her fighting career to come back and on that third time, like, hey, I'm coming back to get this win. But Shannon is tough. I mean, that girl is tough. Those overhand, those overhand lefts. I mean, those constant overhand she kept hitting Emily with. I mean, it, it, on the feet, it was so fun to watch. But one of the main things that, you know, like Tim said, at the end of the first and at the end of the second, right when you think, oh, Emily, she might. Because the round was back. It was neck and neck. And then Shannon would do something on the ground, either get a good takedown or a great, a great attempt at a submission um, in that second round. And, you know, she would take that round away from Emily, I would believe. But uh, Emily was there in every part of the fight, uh, first, second and third round. Shannon took her to her big time. And I think uh, Shannon looked really good and uh, she was really aggressive. And man, that was a really fun fight to watch. And uh, no question uh, was that fight of the night. Jeff Hobbs. It definitely was fight of the night because uh, that's who we paid for fight of the night. We paid them. Uh, and it was well deserved, man. It was, uh, I, it was one of those that's like, you know, either way, it didn't matter to me. I was glad that it, 
it that the fight finished because I, I wouldn't have wanted to have been a judge on, on that fight because, you know, like Tim said, it was every it wasn't just a tale of one round to the next. It was a tale of uh, of two stories in the same round. Um, you know, it's going to depend on, you know, how you weighed the first half of the round to the second half of the round. The stand-up exchanges were great. The, the scrambles were great. The transitions, uh, just when you think someone on the ground is in a real bad position, uh, they find a way to weasel their way out of it. Next thing you know, uh, they're in control and going for a sub. And just two minutes earlier or a minute earlier, it looked like they were getting ready to get subbed. So it was, it was exciting. Uh, it, it always seems to be when these two girls, they have such a familiarity with each other. Um, you know, they should be BFFs by this point because they know more about each other in the cage than probably anybody. Um, but they bring out the best in each other. And, you know, I, I think even with Shannon being the one who came out ahead on the previous two meetings, you know, there's there's no secret that since those two fought, Emily has had probably the more wins and success in the cage, you know, even beating uh, girls that have beaten Shannon, you know, over the last couple of years. So I think Shannon was actually the one even coming off two victories over Emily that had the chip on her shoulder, um, you know, with the with the upside down record and, and the fact that Emily had gone to Bellator and beat girls that Shannon had lost to on Bellator. Uh, uh, and, and she fought like it. It was truly one of those bouts that, um, you know, you can tell the crowd and and the moment uh, motivated Shannon. It was the first time, you know, her son was able to, you know, really kind of be a part of, of the fight and, and celebrate with her uh, now that he's a little older. Um, so it was, it was a well-deserved fight of the night uh, and very much uh, loved being able to pay those girls a little extra cash at the end of the night for putting on that show. Greg? Man, that, that fight right there was a dance. And, uh, you know, at one point in time, you had Shannon leading. At one point in time, uh, you had Emily leading. But the thing about that dance was it didn't matter who was leading. It was out, you know, who was finishing because, like like you guys said, it was just a flip-flop on the ground and got both girls, uh, you know, leading, you know, touching each other up. Man, this was a fantastic fight. I, I was, I was, I'm afraid, I was screaming. And in between the rounds, you had Eric in the, Eric in the corner letting Emily know, you've got to get a finish. You're going to have to get this. You're going to get – and the girl, she went after it, man, and, you know, she got caught up on the ground. But, you know – uh, talk to Shannon. She, I think she finally uh, maybe maybe I don't know, man. I don't know if we saw that one again sometime down the road. I want to see him BJJ or something again, you know. But uh, anyways, yeah, five tonight. Good thing. Congratulations to Shannon, and uh, can't wait to see Emily back too. Both of them. All right, Greg takes golf three on that one. Um, no extra points awarded. Next up, we had 135 pound bantamweights. Vinny Diaz gets in first round arm triangle over Jamal Davis. So this is one that we really didn't know what to expect. We knew both guys were going to be solid, well-prepared guys coming in from other regions that we're familiar with. Um, you know, I uh, had the pleasure of, uh, of uh, taking uh, Jamal and, and his coach Trevor Prangley around uh, early in their arrival. Very, very personable guys, uh, you know, real, real pleasant guys. And, you know, Davis was prepared. He, he put in a, a good camp for this. But uh, it was the grappling of uh, Vinny uh, Diaz that was uh, the difference here. And as uh, Justin said, getting that first round submission, uh, you know, he, he didn't get him down easy. But once he was able to get him down, he was able to advance fairly quickly and get that sub. So uh, nice professional uh, debut win for Vinny Diaz. And who knows, we may see these guys back one of these days. Hubs? Yeah, it was uh, it was fun to watch this fight because, 
you know, you didn't know either one. So, you know, deep down, you weren't necessarily, you know, rooting for one over the other. It was just really nice uh, part of the evening to kind of sit back and just enjoy two guys that you didn't have anything necessarily emotionally invested in uh, just doing their thing. And, and like Tim said, man, it was just it was the grappling. Once it got to the ground, he was, you know, DS was, uh, you know, just so active and squirrely and, and uh, you know, sneaky on the ground. And, uh, you know, they were just like uh, Tim spent a lot of time with Davis. I ended up kind of spending a lot of time with Diaz, you know, doing grocery store runs and picking up from the airport and things like that. And, uh, you know, great guys. Uh, his coach was a wonderful man to, to talk to and, and kind of listen to and learn some things from uh, a great group of guys. And, you know, both have reached out since leaving Nashville and, uh, you know, had such a good time that they want to come back. And, and for Diaz at that weight, uh, and, and watching his skill level, I, I can imagine that Tim has got some some other talent here that would probably make for some good matchups with Diaz. Greg, I'll be honest right here. I uh, I missed this when I had walked backstage, but I got to see the replay and talk about dominance dominant performance from that Canadian though man like uh and after the fact you know I know he's wanting to come back and that's what you know Jeff was just talking about and uh I had his uh his you know his teammate Tom Theocaris was messaging me you know saying did you get to see the final I was like I gotta watch it on replay man but dude that triangle choke was beautiful over in the corner and I know that you know there's no emotion involved but dude after that win Diaz jumped up and just screamed man I'm, I'm proud of him I hope we can see him back real soon uh I'd like to see Tom Theocaris in the, in the seats, too, see if we can get him back on the card sometimes. But uh, I like having these Canadians down here in Tennessee. Torres? Yeah, uh, Benio was uh, really aggressive in this matchup. I mean, he just took it straight to Jamal. But uh, um, r- really good really good win from Vinny in this one. Um, he looked really good from start to finish. And uh, like y'all said, I'm really excited to see him in, uh, in the near future on his career, especially here in Valor. All right, Greg takes Diaz by submission, getting all the points on that one. Next up, we had lightweights, 155 pounds. Pat Crumpton gets the first round rear naked choke over Ben DeLeon. Yeah, you know, it's been a minute since we'd seen Pat Crumpton, so it was good to have him back. Uh, he's always performed well in that, in that, uh, you know, in the, in the Valor Cage, and it uh, tonight was no different. He he ended up uh, getting that uh, getting that submission over Ben DeLeon from down the street at uh, UFC Jim Murfreesboro, and um, you know, hopefully he'll stay a little bit more active. He's a guy that uh, has got a lot of potential, but just has these layoffs that uh, you know kind of uh, sidetrack his uh, his momentum, if you will. So he's a guy that if he can stay busy, I think uh, you know he's got he's got a real nice future. If he can string together some wins, uh, you know, over the next uh, six months to a year, who knows? Uh, as for Daily O, you know, I thought he had a pretty game performance. Honestly, uh, you know, we knew that Crumpton was going to be a handful for him coming in, but he uh, you know persevered through some uh, tough moments. Didn't didn't fold up uh, where a lot of guys would, and and made it fairly late into the first round from what i can gather we were under a minute to go i would imagine um before that one finished so i uh, look forward to working with both these guys again go ahead torres yeah <laughs> oh man well uh pat crompton he looked good in his matchup man uh pat and uh he, he was just constantly going i mean that brother it looked like he couldn't get tired at first but he just constantly stayed on being that ground and pound was vicious I mean, he would just oh, <laughs> little ground and pound was vicious by Patrick Crompton. So that was one of my first times seeing him fight. 
um, and live, you know, after hearing what Ronnie was saying, a lot of good things about him. Uh, it, was, it seems like Patrick do have a bright future in front of him. And, uh, uh, he, I mean, great, great win uh, with him uh, against Ben and, you know, great win for him to get that in Nashville. So I'm excited to see a little bit more things out of Pat. But uh, that was really – he looked really uh, dominant in his win. Hobbs? Yeah, I was, I was really – I mean, I've seen Pat fight before, so uh, he didn't really surprise me because uh, I knew he was that intense and I knew he had that in mind. I was really surprised with De Leon. Um, you know, I not, don't necessarily know what I expected. I, di- I didn't know anything about him, but um, he was just – he was a lot more sound and, and he looked stronger uh, than what I expected. Um, and I think he's close, man. I think De Leon could be one of those guys that's close, and, and I think there are fights out there – uh, you know, with Valor in, in, in our state, even if it's with another promotion that, uh, that he could win, you know, and, and be competitive in. Um, so, you know, definitely surprised by him, but, you know, Crompton had the crowd, you know, he, uh, had the crowd in his hand. Um, you know, it, it, they had kind of tapered off a little bit, um, you know, with some of the fan favorites that had sold a lot of tickets and we went through like a little bit of a lull, um, and this just like rejuvenated and reminded you that everybody was still there because they sure as hell got loud for Pat Crumpton. Um, I'm like Tim though, man. Um, it's not enough to just know about Pat Crumpton because, you know, he fights every once in a while. I need him to be more active. If you're going to do this thing, man, strike while the iron's hot, you know, keep, keep going. Uh, let's get some more fights again. These are guys, a lot of these guys that fought on this underground show aren't necessarily valor mainstays, but they should be, you know, and, and, and now that they've got, you know, maybe their first taste of valor through the underground. Um, I think some of these guys are guys that, uh, you know, Tim, that I think, uh, you know, Tim's going to be looking for to move on over to, uh, you know, the traditional valor card, if they're interested in staying more active. Greg, you back? I think we've lost Greg. Yes, Greg, this. Greg is here. Oh, we do Greg it. Greg. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, yeah. Let's, what were we at? We're we're on Pat Crumpton and Ben DeLeon. I think you may have been in the back still for that one. No, I think I've seen Crumpton. Oh, okay. Do work. I think I've seen Crumpton do work. I'd have to actually. Yeah, rear naked joke right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats to being crumped. I'm, I'm sorry, Pat Crumpton. I'm just, I'm just pulling up into the into the gym now, man. I lost you guys a minute ago. I'm really sorry. It's my phone. I apologize. I'm so sorry. All right, well, everybody took Crumpton on that one. Hobbs gets the extra point with uh, submission. Next up, we have the co-main event, 145-pound featherweights. Elvis Shabazian takes a decision over Travis Floyd. So, you know, we knew that uh, uh, Shabazian was going to have that wrestling in his back pocket coming into this one, and boy, did he. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, obviously, the wrestling very impressive. It was, uh, it, you know, a, a very, very nice display. A huge uh, suplex in the first round. That was uh, one of those that made the whole crowd ooh and ah, myself included. Um, and I stepped out myself in the second round. But uh, from what I gathered, that round was much more close with a with a few people, maybe even uh, uh, with the mindset that that um, uh, that Floyd may have may have done enough to edge out that second round. So from what I can gather as I sat down for the third round was it was still anybody's fight but uh, Elvis did such a good job of uh, you know 
keeping that distance uh, very, very short, hugging up on him against the cage where Floyd couldn't really get much offense off. There wasn't a lot of offense coming from Elvis either, but uh, at the same time, uh, Floyd just didn't, he just didn't do enough. Uh, I guess he was so concerned with uh, submitting that take or giving up that takedown that he just didn't want to open up and, and try to get some offense in of his own. We'll talk about this a little bit more in the main event. Like, you can win these fights from your back. You can win these fights while your while your back is up against the cage and you're being controlled. But you've got to put forth the effort. You've got to put. You've got to at least show the judges and the and uh, you know the ref that you're working. You're trying to do something. Uh, you know, just kind of settling in there for it is not going to be enough to get the job done. So, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, very impressive performance from uh, from Elvis. Not a bad performance from Floyd. He showed he was very game and was always in the fight. He just couldn't stop that wrestling. Um, you know, I think the jury's still out on Elvis uh, as to, like, what the ceiling will be until we, we see, uh, you know, some more aspects of his game. Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, just, a, you know, not so much of a back and forth battle, but like, you know, Tim was saying, you can win fights on your, off your back. You know, we've seen it happen last year in Nashville. Um, but, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, a three round fight with these guys, a unanimous decision for the right reasons. And both guys stood up and shook hands at the end and was, you know, totally game the whole time. But uh, I thought we was going to see a finish at some point in time, maybe, maybe a submission or a knockout, but it never came. Uh, both of these guys, uh, we didn't really know a whole, whole, whole lot coming in uh, about them, but uh, I can't wait to see more of them. I hope we get to see them both back. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Travis Floyd up there uh, back in Nashville again. That's his first one. So, uh, Shabazi, you know, that's a good good drive for him. So, I mean, we may see him back, we may not. Other, other than that, I want to see some more of that wrestling uh, up in that uh, underground cage with, with Elvis up there. Torres? Yeah, um, I was really excited for this fight as well, uh, like how the way it went. Um, if there was any other fight that had a potential uh, fight of the night, this could have been one of them early on. I mean, the way Elvis started out the fight, I mean, I thought, man, he's going to finish Floyd. But Floyd showed some toughness in that fight, the way he just continued to keep coming. I mean, it was one point Elvis had what? I think he had a rear naked choke at his back, and I thought for sure, like, that was it. And Floyd just kept fighting out of it. That back-to-back uh, suplex, I mean, my goodness, I thought it was Kurt Angle. Out yeah. there, you know, and I was like, freak, man. Like, that was that was nice. I even went back and watched it like three times. Like, man, that's, like, that's, the, that's the slam I'm liking. <laughs> Boy. But, man, overall, that was uh, that was fun. Props to Elvis. Uh, props to Floyd as well as uh, – it is a performance as well, you know, showed a lot of toughness. Excited to see him back and also excited to see Elvis back. Um, he's a big-time opponent at 145, so excited to see those guys. Everybody, let's see, uh, Jeff Hobbs? Yeah, I mean, uh, Elvis came out like we knew he was going to as probably about the most dominant first round you could you can imagine. But if you guys remember, what, what the turning point was was uh, there was a body shot kind of like a liver kidney shot and uh that kind of changed things up and kind of sucked a lot out of elvis you even started kind of lifting up that knee and 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 favoring and and lifting up his leg trying to turn that side away from from travis and it was uh it was that body shot that uh did it you know i was surprised on all the 30 27s because i really thought that floyd had the better second round um but, uh, you know, I talked to uh, Floyd the next day. He came back by the venue while I was cleaning. And, uh, you know, 
he had nothing bad to say about the fight, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll complain about, ah, it's, you know, just wrestled and this and that, and, and he didn't. He didn't complain how the fight went. Uh, he gave Elvis props and just said, man, he's just good at what he does. He said, but I know I had him hurt that one round to the ribs, uh, or, or it may have been the liver, but he knew he hurt him in the side. He said, I, you know, I just there was just nothing I could do. He said he was so strong and so good at what he does. You know, he said it was no secret what this guy's game plan was coming in. He said it was just up to me to stop it. And he said, I just got to, you know, I got to get better at that wrestling defense. And it just is what it is. But uh, that that he would definitely be back. And um, uh, like Tim said, I mean, uh, Elvis was very emotional after that fight. You could tell just, you know, what this whole journey has meant to him trying to get a pro debut. He told me, uh, I talked to him the next day as well, and he said it's just more overwhelming, not really the result of the fight, but just the fact that he got to fight, you know, that it actually happened, that he found a promotion that got him an opponent. The opponent, you know, came through the whole fight, showed up, and he was more overwhelmed that it happened and he, and that he experienced the moment and that it actually, his pro debut took place. So uh, both these guys were really nice. Elvis is very uh, humble uh, spiritual type kid man and um i'd love to see both these guys back everybody takes elvis shabazian in that one no extra points next up for the main event 155 pound lightweight charlie c4 alexander takes a decision over logan neal to become the king of the underground so the crown jewel of this card, of course, uh, this is the fight that everybody's looking forward to. And uh, man, it's a lot, lot of excitement on this one. The, a lot of energy in the room. Uh, one of those, uh, one of those main events where uh, you know we got that, we hit that fever pitch like you always want to hit uh, right before the uh, crescendo, if you will, of the card. And so these guys really, really brought it. Uh, nice, uh, smart strategy fought by Charlie Alexander in this one. You know, is uh, the uh, the striking exchanges uh, in the first round I thought were very close I thought that it was uh, kind of a toss up uh, in the first round uh, Charlie uh, as he is apt to do hit a late takedown with about a minute give or take left in the round and uh, put the stamp on it sealed the deal and uh, you know it's worked many times for him it worked uh, in my opinion well in everybody's opinion I guess uh, in this first round uh, second round uh, I thought things tightened up some I thought that uh, that Logan started getting the better uh, of the striking exchanges charlie still uh kind of uh uh uh, went to put his stamp on the round again with that uh, minute with that takedown left with a minute give or take uh, but this time Logan was a little more active off of his back kind of firing off uh, a little bit of offense from his back I personally gave that second round to Logan Neal uh, the judges were split on that one I believe uh, there was a judge that gave uh, Charlie that round and maybe there was a judge that gave uh, Logan that round as well uh, I just for uh, at least for the sake of entertainment going into the third round we're one and one right uh, maybe Maybe not in reality, but I think there was a, uh, a narrative there. Uh, and then uh, third round, um, <clears throat> this time I thought Logan was was really getting the better of Charlie in, in the stand-up exchanges. Uh, started clowning him a little bit, hands down, taunting him some, uh, was tagging him some, but uh, it forced Charlie to go to that takedown much earlier in the round than he typically had. This time he, he went to the takedown with about three minutes left. And so that whole second half of the fight, uh, Charlie's on top now. Charlie is doing a 
little bit more work this time, making sure he doesn't get stood up, making sure that he keeps the position. Uh, nothing really, really damaging, but but uh, it's busy, and he and he learned from that fight with Robbins. I think um, you know that he can't just kind of lay on top and and hope to get it. So he was definitely more active uh, when he would get those advantageous positions this time. Uh, Logan. Um, he never really opened up his guard. He kept his guard closed throughout that whole last exchange. Uh, so I would have liked to have seen a little more sense of urgency from him in the second half of that last round uh, in a fight that could have maybe been up for grabs still. So, uh, you know, we got to give props to Charlie for finding a smart game plan. Didn't let uh, the taunting uh, get him out of his game plan uh, to where he threw caution to the wind, which at that point uh, would have definitely been what Logan wanted him to do. And props to Logan for for getting in there with a guy with, you know, double his experience in his hometown, hostile, hostile arena and uh, going all the rounds, giving him a good fight, putting on a great show. Uh, I thought that, uh, that he certainly didn't lose any stock here. And uh, we had a great main event uh, for the first underground. How do you uh, feel about it? Jeff Hobbs? Um, you know, I definitely agree um, that Charlie's game plan was, was, was really solid. Um you know, a lot of that, you know, stuff that was going on in the third round, very easily he could have he could have gotten himself into a, you know, a pissing contest, and uh, but he didn't let Logan pull him into it. And Logan knew he needed that uh, in the third round. He needed it to become a dogfight, and he needed to uh, taunt Charlie into that dogfight um, to have that chance of, uh, you know, possibly, uh, you know, catching him and getting a knockout. Um, so, you know, props to the uh, – uh, to the game plan really honestly pops to the game plan for both of them. You know, we spoke cage side that you could tell both fighters uh, throughout a lot of this fight, actually they're both of these fighters were thinking back to 2019 about Alexander and Robinson. Um, Charlie on top was making sure that he was more active, you know, your cliche body, body head, making sure he was trying to sneak in some elbows and stay active uh, Logan trying to stay active on the bottom because he saw that that was successful, you know, with the judges at the last time, you know, Charlie was in Nashville. So both uh, took a lot from that 2019 fight and tried to implement it here. You know, first round, I agree. It was really close. I think a lot of what um, Charlie's really good at um, blocking a lot of punches. You know, they may hit the leather on the side of his glove. Uh, and I think that's a lot of what was going on with some of that stand up in the first round. Um, like you said, though, he, he times his takedowns well. He doesn't he doesn't get too anxious. He knows when he wants to pull them off, and, and he pulls them off when, he, when he's ready and he wants to. In the second round, uh, those punches weren't getting blocked as much. They were sh- a lot straighter and, and coming in. And, uh, you know, I agree. The second round, uh, Logan got, I think, the better of the stand-up. But, again, uh, just those perfectly timed takedowns, and he kind of – it's like he has that mental clock in his head, and he knows when it's needed – and doesn't really get too anxious, you know. He doesn't get out of his game plan. Now, sometimes, I mean, that game plan isn't going to work. Um, but when it's working, it's beautiful. And, you know, like you alluded to, Tim, I think what Logan needed to do and had to do in that third round was very just. He needed to get aggressive, and he needed it to become a, a, a scrap. But what that did, that forced Charlie to abandon the timely late-round takedown and – and it forced, you know, he had no choice but to go after Charlie, but it forced Charlie to go ahead and get that, you know, takedown earlier in the round, which then in turn meant that you were going to spend most of that round and more of that round on your back. 
and and Charlie made sure he stayed busy to uh, to not get it um, you know stood up. Uh, but I 100% agree. I think there were Charlie Alexander fans you know there in attendance that um, would would agree and have no problem telling you that they became uh, Logan Neal fans as well. Um, uh, Logan had a great time. I've talked to Logan a lot since this fight, and he's just continues to be appreciative of the whole. Uh, opportunity, the whole show, the whole experience, how he was treated uh, by the promoter. Um, you know, he even made the comment to me, he said, you know, the promoter treated me just like I was a Nashville MMA guy, you know, just like I was a local guy. He, he treated me just the same as he did everyone else on the card and was just as good to me as he was to everybody else. So there were no losers in this in this fight. It's everything we thought this card, you know, that could be built around. Um, and, you know, just really proud of both of them because they took on a lot of responsibility being the headliners for the first ever underground. And they, they put that on their back and they, um, you know, they represented well. Greg. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I enjoyed the fight and, uh, I don't know, I guess from now on when, you know, if I got, you know, one of the close, close friend fighting i guess i better leave cage side because i was getting a little hopped up there and i mean i was feeding off the crowd just like everybody else was you know and uh, uh apologize jeff for beating on that table um and everything during that fight but dude that was a, it was a heated fight man and uh uh it's a lot closer a whole lot closer than the judges rendered at the unanimous decision because uh you were talking about the nashville fans you can't tell me for one second that they wasn't worried that logan was going to win that fight uh, when they were calling out the, um, you know, the victor for it. Uh, but like I said, and or I'm sorry, like Jeff said, and uh, Tim's already said in that third round when uh, Logan started, you know, pulling, you know, you know, pulling his highlight reel, trying to get that, trying to get Charlie shook up and get him all go out of the way. You know, if Charlie wouldn't have scared that takedown right there, I, I don't know how that fight maybe would have gone, you know, in the judge's eyes with that being said, but props to Charlie for, for, you know, thinking back to 219 when, uh, to when he was fighting David and he thought, you know, he thought he was going to get his hand raised just as long as Nashville did too. And when he didn't, you know, he was surprised and he didn't want to let it happen again. So he stayed busy. He did what he had to do to secure the victory and getting that takedown with three minutes left in the, in the third round and being able to control it. He, he was able to pass the half guard and then he actually got to mount. And I think that was the moment that I realized too. I was like, yep, that's uh that was some points right there. You can't get back unless you get up and, you know, Logan wasn't able to get up. So, uh, I don't, uh, I mean, I would love to keep seeing Charlie back in the Valor cage. You know, of course I would love to keep seeing Charlie back in the Valor cage. Cause uh, eventually one day I think we will cross paths again, but if I don't get to, I, I wish him the best in his future, you know, you know, his future, his future in the career. I don't know if we'll see him on a bigger platform now or not. You know, that's a big win over Logan Neal and uh, I hope he enjoys that ring. Cause that sucker's nice. Torres. Um, yes, this is, uh, talking about the intensity in that place man was it electric but uh i mean you look at that fight i mean if you want to go by rounds i mean you got to look at what the judges saw i mean two judges saw it uh 29 28 and only one judge saw it 30 27 um i i think the judge saw that second round where uh charlie took logan down with like a minute 40 left uh it's hard for me to give charlie that round when logan was doing really well against them on the feet in that second round. But in all honesty, Charlie had to do what he had to do to, uh, to get the victory. Um, he, I don't think he was as active in that first and second, but in that third, no question, 
He was really active. He moved to half guard and he moved the mount. I will say in that first round, he did secure, uh, he did do a few elbows, uh, really nice elbows that uh, got Logan on the, on the ground. Um, then were some really solid takedowns as well. Um, the, the calf kicks was like one of Charlie's big time things. He, uh, he, uh, it was really big a part of his game plan, you know, when he fights anyway. But uh, besides that, you know, he really didn't let his hands go a lot in that fight, as I thought he would. Um, but he played it safe. He played it smart. I thought it was a really good fight. Uh, one of the biggest moments I really enjoyed it was uh, it was a little slight strike after the bell. And Logan walked straight up to him and, and uh, chest bumped him. And uh, Charlie pushed him. And then, boy, everybody in the entire place was going hectic. But I enjoy I enjoy that type of stuff, man. It was great. It was fun. But, uh, so Valor on the ground from start to finish, you know, incredible card, man. I mean, it's been incredible from start to finishes, from the, the quartet to the wrestling match to the main event. There was a lot of big time fights, a lot of big time matchups. And yes, Logan and Charlie did put this uh, uh, event on their back and they should carry it on like the true main eventers would. So I'm excited for both of these guys. I'm excited for both of these guys in their future career. And um Man, great job. Good win. All right, Jeff Bob takes Charlie Alexander, gets all the points. Final results, uh, after one week, Greg beats the shit out of the other guys. Greg with 24, Hobbs with 19, and Torres with 15, way behind. Make the and shit Greg, out of uh, Jeff. Greg is uh, off and running here, uh, defending his, his crown. Uh, in se- in segment number two of uh, this 2021 season of Pick'em. And uh, that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the Valor Hour. We appreciate you guys sitting in for this recap of Valor Underground. We'll be back next week with uh, coverage beginning for the uh, the August 6th and August 21st cards coming up. Uh, thanks so much to uh, my panelists for sitting in. Uh, Greg Hopkins, Torres Finney, Justin Watson, uh, Jeff- Justin Watson, and Jeff Hobbs. Until uh, next week, I'm your host, Tim Loy, signing out for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The one thing I will say about my takeaways from UFC 264, so I was out at a bar on Saturday night, and so we got there, you know, we, we had a table. We, we, my buddy, we had a table in the back so no one could be behind us, you know, kind of in, in the back corner. And the thing that really stuck out to me, so I got there about 9 o'clock, and by about 9.30, so 30 minutes before the pay-per-view was going to start, Daniel, it is wall to wall people. I mean, you know, people are trying to get drinks, whatnot. And, and I'm sitting there going, wow, like that's how, okay, this is a, it's at, Con, a Conor McGregor fight night is just so different than any other fight night that is out there. I mean, look, you know, when you look at what Conor McGregor has done for the sport of mixed martial arts, and, and I think you also have to include Ronda Rousey in this conversation, that those two fighters have just elevated the fight game. It, it, it's like when I see people, you know, saying whatever they want to say. I mean, look, love Hey, indifferent to Conor McGregor, he's raised the game for everyone in this industry. He's made more money for UFC fighters. Hell, he's made money more money for MMA managers. You know, apparently there's one manager that clearly Conor McGregor's living rent-free in his brain because he can't stop talking about him literally every day. I have no idea why we're even asking him about Conor McGregor questions. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.